Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to Tales from 2AM. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, along with Big Bro Sco, the one and only Rich Schofield, the better looking of the Schofield brothers. Uh, at least you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> he will tell you that. In fact, he's that was the condition to come on the show. You've got to say that I am better looking than my brother Dave. So yeah. I... I, I did go ahead and say that, but um, my package will be coming in the mail. So I, I do appreciate that. Uh, so, and, you know, I'm looking at the live chat. We're uh, talking about a, uh, a Lions trade with uh, Jared Goff, the Rams, um, getting a first and a third with Goff for Matthew Stafford. I have not had a chance to look into that. That's something that uh, seems to have just... Uh, just surfaced now. Um, that as- one was really late last night. I actually saw the the news of Mrs. Rooney's death before I even saw the breaking news of the trade. You know what? I uh, actually, and I don't do this very often. I like to get up at a good time. I actually woke up a little later than I usually do on a Sunday. And so I didn't look at a thing. I just opened up my computer, saw Rich's face and decided to just get going. So, um, so John Trent is saying two firsts and a third. Wow. I mean, gosh, that's that's a heck of a trade. Yeah. And so I can't wait to delve into that. Uh, so now all Steeler fans, they can stop talking about getting Matthew Stafford. That's not going to happen. Um, your Steeler quarterback is most likely going to be Ben Roethlisberger. We are going to talk about that ad nauseum on every other podcast. What we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about Steelers Super Bowls. Now, I am not, I have no recollection of the Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl nine, but I've read a lot about it. I've watched, I've watched that game. So and- I've watched that game. I was just, 
I was not even a year old when that game was played. But you've watched it since, right? Yes, I have. I tell you what, it's so great. I, I get on McMillanandWife.com. I get on uh, YouTube. And anytime I could watch these games, I know the Steelers put out the DVD set where you could watch them. It's a lot more fun, though, to watch them with Myron and Jack Fleming in the background. <laughs> so nice to see nice to see my brother you know it's up on sunday morning and was able to put up there yes I, I won the gene pool especially when it comes to the hair hey that's the only genetic lottery that i'm ever going i have in. i have hair yeah yeah to i mean i'm gonna be 50 this year and i've got i don't even have a bald spot uh that's the only thing i'm gonna win everything else yeah. not good well, i always like to tell dave he has a he has a retreating hairline it's not <laughs> receding i mean it is in full out retreat so, <laughs> so when we talk about Super Bowl nine, I mean, it was a long time coming and that's why we already talked about the celebration with Mr. Rooney really enjoying it. The greatest story from that is the Dwight White story. And we will talk about that as well. But before I get into that, this is something that I just found out a few months ago and I hope my dad is still on the, uh, on the live chat. But he informed me that my grandfather, who we were pretty much estranged from, we we did not, uh, my grandfather left uh, my dad's family when they, when he was about four years old and really made my dad the man that he was, made him the father that he was. Um, he could have done that same kind of thing and just do his own thing, but that made him so much closer to family and uh, wanting to give his kids what he didn't get. But I mean, we still, I mean, from time to time he would talk to his father and apparently my grandfather went to Super Bowl nine <laughs> and I, I did not know that. So um, that's something that I actually got to call my dad and find out more about that story. Cause he, he told me some really fun stories about that, but I have not been to a Super Bowl yet. I had, I had opportunities um, I had opportunities during the last one, but I just financially, I couldn't go. And my, like I said, my mom and dad, they went to a game. I'm hoping to go to a Steelers Super Bowl and I'm hoping that it's a win. So that's really what I want to see. But when we talk about Super Bowl nine, Dwight White, he, amazing story. He got some kind of flu that week. It was a virus. It was something that he was so sick. He was in the hospital. Do you realize, Rich, that he was released from the hospital that morning? Yes, I that knew that. Sunday morning? Yep. And th this, uh, this game was originally supposed to be in the Superdome. It was supposed to be the first Super Bowl in the uh, New Orleans Superdome, but it was not finished in time. So they had to go back to Tulane Stadium. It was rainy. It was yucky weather. Uh, just really, it, it wasn't really the Super Bowls that we watch now. It Watching that, it was a very dreary game to watch. But when you watch the Steelers, it's great. So Dwight White, he gets out, he shows up, and he starts. And not only does he start, he scores the first ever points for the Pittsburgh Steelers in a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I, I will say he had the rush on. He did not wall up Fran Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton kind of fell down. In that in that muck, but he uh, he recorded the safety. So the first ever points for a Steelers team in a Super Bowl was a safety, 
in that game, and it was Dwight White. And the guy they called Mad Dog, he was a warrior. He, like I said, lost 20 pounds that week. Can you imagine losing 20 no. pounds and then playing in the game? You're so I'm drained after I'm drained after any kind of illness. And we saw it that we we saw it in the 2020 season when players came back from COVID. We could mention Vince Williams. We could mention Stefan Tuitt. They weren't the same the week. It took them a couple weeks to get back into yeah. shape after after that game. When I say shape, getting their win back and to really have good games. They didn't come and dominate right away. And he had a very good game in that Super Bowl. And the biggest thing was he, he got that safety. That was in the second quarter of the game. And the score at halftime was Steelers 2, Vikings nothing. Yeah, that is the lowest score in Super Bowl history, um, unless that has changed in the last couple of years. But I remember being this, that a stat about five years ago. Yeah, and if you if you asked the Steelers on that team, they would have been willing to just, you know, have the game end right there as long as they were ahead 2 to nothing. They were willing to take that score home. Yep, that that's a 2 a.m. score. And that's yeah, a 2 a.m. victory. Yep. Super Bowls, I mean, the Steelers have had some 2 a.m. victories in the Super Bowl, and that is one of them. You, you, you're you not proud of it, but you're proud of it. You take it. It's a victory. Um, so if you don't understand what, what 2 a.m. is when you're at the bar, go ahead and look at my November 14th, 2019 uh, Steelers preview with Dave, with Dave and with uh, Jeff. That will explain everything right there. But with that being said, great game. Franco went nuts in that game. Yeah, he had, he had 158 yards. The defense was stifling. In fact, Dwight White even had a tip on a ball that Joe Green intercepted. So he actually tipped a ball up in the air as well. And, and the, the you know the score ended up you know six, sixteen to six. How did how did the Vikings get their six points? The, it was on a touchdown. But they missed the extra point. Uh, how did they score the touchdown? I, you know what I? Oh, yeah, it was a it was a blocked punt. Blocked wasn't it? punt, correct. So the Steelers' defense gave up zero points in that game. Wow, not even a field goal. That that is, and they were so dominating. Man, I would have loved to have seen the Super Bowl rematch between the Vikings and the Steelers. Um, what could have been two years later. Yeah. because And that's when they talk about the 1976 season where the Steelers' defense was at its finest. You just had, in that AFC Championship game, you had Rocky and Franco out. They just yeah. could not get it together. I mean, that really could have been... You, We really should be talking about five Super Bowls in the 1970s. That would have been absolutely incredible. I would have loved I, – I think they would have beaten that team again because that's how good that that defense was. Um, but we'll never, we're never going to be able to talk about it. But what an awesome Super Bowl. I love watching that. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, go ahead and watch these games online. So much fun. The next game, I call it the Jack Lambert Super Bowl. And we have a fella. We have a fella on BTSC. It's our coach. We've got a resident coach, the one KT, Kevin Smith, who, when he first started showing up 
at BTSC, he, when he first started writing, he would be, what was his name, Big Bro? Cliff Harris is still a punk. I love that name. Yep. Then we would call him like we would call him Chizap because we because in the uh, like online when we were communicating with each other we would call him Chizap because there that was a mouthful to say. And now that uh, he's writing more and he's on podcast, he's he's using his name. But Cliff Harris is still a punk. Now Cliff Harris, number forty three for the Dallas Cowboys, was a very good player, but. He was he was being ornery. He was being a jerk in this game. And Roy Jarella, and I've talked about this on the retro show the last couple of weeks. Roy Jarella, God bless him, number 10, the place kicker for a lot of years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Probably one of the worst Steelers in a Super Bowl of all time. In fact, the 1979 season, he was 12 from 28 <laughs> as a place kicker. And he was still our kick, still our kicker. And they went to the Super Bowl that year again. But he was actually not the 79 season, the 78 season, because he didn't right. play in the 79 season. So in 78, I mean, he was just really, he was not, he had a, a strong enough leg, but he was just not accurate. So he missed probably about three field goals. And this was right before the end of the first half. He misses a field goal. Cliff Harris comes up to him, grabs him, and pats him on the helmet. Man, did that tick off Jack Lambert. What did Jack Lambert do, big bro? Just drilled him. <laughs> he he basically body slammed the guy. He would be, would you agree that if that would have happened now, he's out of, he's completely out of the game. Oh, if that, were, if that were to date, yeah, he's ejected. He wasn't. A lot of people thought he should have been ejected. I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, they should have ejected uh, Jack Lambert. But they didn't. Jack Lambert basically went in the locker room and said, we're better than this team. He went crazy. He comes back. He ends up having 14 tackles in that game. He could have been the Super Bowl MVP of the game and would have been if it wasn't for Lynn Swan and his spectacular catches. Correct. But, and I want to talk about Jack Lambert, real quick. I have had the opportunity to meet some athletes um, over the years, just just as luck. Just uh, and I've met met some Steeler legends. I've met, I've had the opportunity to meet Joe Green and Franco Harris, and I just talked about meeting Terry Bradshaw. One of my favorites was meeting Jack Lambert. And do you remember when you would see him on the sidelines? He would sit on his helmet. Yep. And he just, he looked imposing sitting on a helmet. And he had that same look. So we were at the Hager, the mall in Hagerstown, the Valley Mall in Hagerstown. And I had a buddy that would, uh, one of the reasons I got to meet these guys is he would go to the autograph signings in Chantilly. He was a, he was a vendor. He was from up your way, actually. Um, and what he would do, he would ask me to go along and I would help out. In fact, I drove Frenchie Fuqua to the airport um, one year. I, I had a chance to, uh, my dad and I got to drive Veron Haynes after uh, one of these uh, these uh, type of autograph signings. And I would be backstage with them. And it would be one of those things. Hey, here's a bunch of balls. Can you take these over? Take him over to Pete Rose, ask him to sign this specifically. And I'd be like, sure, here I am with balls. Like, hey, Pete, can you do this? And it was just like, 
it was a normal thing. And you're just like hanging out backstage with all, and it's a big convention center. It's really cool. But so we went to the Valley mall and he had a regular autograph signing with these guys. And we were in an old dollar tree and it was the night before the event. And Ryan Clark was going to be there the next day. J James Harrison was supposed to be there and Mike Merriweather. Um, James didn't show up. This was right after the Super Bowl 43 victory. And so we're there. And uh, my buddy Bob said to us, hey, let's go head back. Jay, uh, Jack Lambert's going to meet everybody. So I we had a chance to go back. Here's Jack Lambert. And this is 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He is, and this is an abandoned uh, this was a dollar tree that was not being used. So all the right. shelves are there and there's just boxes all around. And here he is sitting on a little stool. It looked like 1975 all over again, <laughs> the way he's sitting on the stool and he's just sitting down, he's drinking a beer and he's smoking a cigarette and he's just holding court. And that day, something, something really unfortunate happened in upstate New York. I believe it was at an IBM, a, uh, an employee shot up. Um, there was an employee shooting with, I think they, sh he shot nine people, four people passed away. It was really unfortunate. And Jack Lambert's like, Hey, what happened up in New York? What kind of security do you have here? And he was serious about it. And uh, someone said, uh, they have, they have security. And here I am. And you know, me, my head, I, I just, I'm a little bit of a show off from time to time. I'm like, hey, this is my chance to talk to Jack Lambert. So I, I looked at him and said, hey, Jack, my name's Brian Davis. I'm 5'8". I'm 250 pounds. And I've got your back. <laughs> and, I said that, and I said that to him. And it was great. He looks up. And his exact words were, JC, we're all in trouble. Well, I, <laughs> he didn't say JC. He said actual JC. Yep. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put the abbreviation. We're all in trouble. And so just, and, and he went off from there and he, he was so much fun. And so the next day, I they have the private signings and I take my dad back to meet him. And my dad says to him, extends his hand and, uh, and, uh, well, he, he sees me first. I said, Hey Jack, we met yesterday. He goes, Hey Brian, good to see you. You know, um, keeps on going. And, and, uh, my dad extends his hand and says, Hey, I, I'm from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And Jack goes, hammers from Johnstown talking about Jack ham. Yeah. He goes, that's awesome. And he called my dad, Mr. Davis. And he was so cool. He talked to my dad and he was so cordial. There's a long line and it, it, it was just great. Um, just to see this guy and but the legend of this guy being the ornery guy you could see him knocking out, knocking out cliff harris i would have loved to talk to him about knocking out cliff harris like knocking him down cliff harris is in the hall of fame as of last year um yep. he was uh he hasn't officially been inducted just like donnie shell hasn't been officially inducted but really cool um He's still punk yeah he is still a punk <laughs> because of that and uh we will in Pittsburgh, we will never forget it. But a lot of people remember that actual play as when the Steelers got their heads out of their butts in that game. Yeah. And they really did. And they came back. Yeah, we talked. Harris doesn't do that. I don't know if the Steelers win that game. I kind of fired him up. Yeah. And, you know, they don't need, they shouldn't need that. But it was like, that's really when Jack Lambert really. To me, he's a co-MVP of that game. And there's a lot of co-MVPs of that game, too, like L.C. Greenwood, who 
they're not official because we weren't officially recording sacks, but he had four, he had what would have been four official sacks in that game if yeah. they would have counted them. Um, Lynn, what Lynn Swan did in that game was absolutely amazing with the catch that we see all the time is one of the best plays in Super Bowl history with uh, like on his knees and, and uh, but he had another spectacular catch in that game too. So a lot of great MVPs. The one story though about that game that a lot of people don't know, who closed out that game at quarterback for the Steelers? Yeah, I don't know. I believe it was Terry Hanratty because really? Bradshaw was knocked out on that final touchdown pass. Oh, yeah. He threw a touchdown pass to Swan and he got knocked out and he was out of the game. In fact, when he came to in the locker room, his his question was, did we win? So I, I love it. Yes, yes Bra- Jerry, we won. Okay, yeah, Bradshaw didn't really know. He got... He just got knocked out. So that's those are two Super Bowls. The third Super Bowl that that I'm going to talk about, and as I look as time's rolling through, Super Bowl 13. Were you able to watch this game at the time? Because I would have, gosh, I would have been about seven. So you might, you're a couple, you're about two years younger than I am. So you might not really remember that game as well but super bowl 13 we just did this on the retro show you can check it out as of as of uh this morning it debuted actually yesterday morning it debuted on the network tony and i talk about fantastic game please listen to that show it's a great it's one of the truly great super bowls it really is and it holds up but that's the game where the steelers were absolutely incredible that's the game where hollywood henderson Said that Bradshaw could not could not spell cat if you supplied the C and the A. Yeah, and Hollywood Henderson was actually, and he admits this in his book. If you never get if you ever get a chance to read his book, read it. It is a great book. He has two now. I didn't get to read the second one because he had great redemption, but he had lots of problems with drugs. He's been clean for over thirty years, won the lottery, and is doing nothing but helping people. But he will admit. He was on the sidelines with an asthma inhaler in that game, inhaling cocaine in front of the NBC cameras and everything. And that was a really funny, um, it's not funny that he did that, but it was funny between Bradshaw, because Bradshaw came back at him too. That was the war, the words between the two. This was the winner was going to win their first Super Bowl. Uh, Excuse me, win their third Super Bowl, the first team to win three Super Bowls, and it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were cemented as a dynasty at that point. You go to Super Bowl 14 the next year, and this is the one when my dad mentioned to Bradshaw that we went to Super Bowl 14. Bradshaw did this. He looked up from the helmet he was signing, looked up and said, that was a tough one. One, we won, but that was a really tough game. And they were losing 19 to 17 to the Rams at halftime. Mm-hmm. And they came back. They won it. That's that spectacular pass to Swan. Franco had a good game. Uh, the defense was the defense. Lambert, Lambert did it again. He uh, he had an interception with about five minutes left in the game because the Rams were at that point. It was twenty four nineteen. They were close. They were uh, down deep towards the red zone. And they were about to, with a touchdown, they were about to pull ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the fourth quarter in Pasadena, California at the Rose Bowl. 
And I got to tell you, the dynasty could have ended right there. Do you have any remembrances of that game either? I, I really do not because, again, I was just shy of, uh, you know, I was four or five years old in there and just – I remember after, like I remember that, but I don't don't remember anything about the game. I well, may have watched that game, but I don't remember anything if I did. Let's talk about Super Bowl Thirty then. I know you have remembrances of this game. Yeah, and I do. that is, and gosh, not only is that, do you realize that where we're talking right now? It's the anniversary. Is it the anniversary of that game? Or yesterday was the anniversary because that was on the 30th. So today's the 31st, I believe. So um, yesterday was the anniversary of that game. That game happened in 1996. So, gosh, 25 years ago yesterday, that game happens. So a lot of people don't get broken up over that game because the Steelers were, what, 13-point underdogs in that game. Right. But they really came to play. I know they blew it. You know, O'Donnell blew it with the interceptions. Um, well, Corey, Corey Holiday did run like the wrong to, route. But that's, that's the one where I like to say, you know, Neil O'Donnell was the MVP of that game for the Cowboys. He really was. You know, um, yeah. But that I, game was there. That that game was there, and the Steelers really could have won that game. They they really could have, and they were. I mean, there was a point where they were driving with the, the surprise on sides, with everything. They they had a chance to take the lead in that game, too. It was not to be. Uh, gosh, it killed me. Ten years later, they got a chance to do it. And let's talk about that spectacular. Take me through February 6th, 2006. So it's basically ten years from this Dallas game. They're finally back in the game. This is what I call a 2 a.m. game. Ben Roethlisberger had a 2 a.m. game here. Well, I can never talk about that Super Bowl without talking about the play that happened, you know, prior to that Super Bowl. Oh, yes. The tackle. The tackle. Um, the tackle. Uh, where the Steelers are basically, you know, big lead, one-yard line, ice the game, hand the ball to the bus, he and he fumbles. Um Ironically, I watched that play in the same place that I watched the Super Bowl. Um, I was working at Binghamton University at the time, and we had found some, my wife and I had found some friends actually through our children. You know, my daughter was like three years old, and she went to a daycare, and this other little boy kind of was her best friend there, and his parents, we got close with them, and turns out he's a huge Steeler fan. So we're over at their house watching that game, and he and I about went nuts when Bettis fumbled that ball. And don't ask me how Ben Roethlisberger ever made that tackle, but he does. So when they win that game, then, he and I are going nuts, and he's like, you've got to come back here for the Super Bowl. You have to come back here for the Super Bowl. We won this game. You have to come back here for the Super Bowl. So we are back watching the Super Bowl, and the funny thing with there was he had a whole bunch of people over, and halftime happened, and for the second half of the game, the only people there watching the game was me and Paul, just the two of us. Uh, everybody else cleared out at halftime. We sat and watched the game. Oh, I loved that game. The immaculate tackle. Ezra, Ezra's right. <laughs> 
don't I know guess, if I'd call it immaculate. I'd almost call it a miracle tackle. But well, you know. got to give an assist to Mrs. Nick Harper. Nick Harper is the guy who picked it up. Yep. A lot of people don't remember this. There was a domestic dispute the night before, and uh, terrible that there was a domestic dispute. She stabs him with a kitchen knife in the leg or the thigh. He's okay to play, but it kind of makes me wonder if if uh, he doesn't have uh, have a wound from maybe about twelve to sixteen hours before. Is he running a lot faster? <laughs> I mean, in that situation, Not just faster, but is he able to? To, to do lateral movement a lot more because that's what killed him on that run back. Yeah. That, now, that very well you, could be. Mind you that the Colts had a chance still to win that game. And Mr. Automatic. The drunken idiot kicker, which uh, Peyton Manning would call him. Yeah. Mike Vanderjack. I, mean, I, can't, I can't believe that, you know, then they missed that kick. So they missed the kick and we're going to the, you know, off we go. And don't forget Bryant McFadden, who was who had two breakups in the end zone before that before that touchdown. He had yeah. two consecutive breakouts. Excuse me, not the touchdown before the field goal attempt. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, and then you know in the Super Bowl, uh, you know what my memory is in that Super Bowl. Yeah, hit me. Is the, is the touchdown pass Randall out to, to Heinz Ward? Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, that was fantastic. Um, I could still hear Bill Hillgrove say, and this place is a Steelers maniac haven. <laughs> yeah, that you know, that was great. Um, the only thing I didn't like was all the whining and crying that I heard from Seahawk fans after that game about, you know, loved how they blamed it all on the on the referees, and the referees gave that game to the Steelers. Um it was twenty one to ten. You know, I mean correct. So I, we always, a lot of us have those scapegoats and, and I get it. And they're always going to be upset about that. Um, they always will, but I got to tell you, the Steelers did come to play in that game. And my, my great memory of that game is Willie Parker. Oh, oh yes. And Fanica, by the way, Fanica needs the call to the hall next week. Yes, he does. But Fanica led the way Fanica. He pulls, he leads the way, and Willie is off to the races. And then he does that flip into the end zone. (laughs) What is your favorite Super Bowl? Would your favorite Super Bowl be that one? Or would it be the next one, Super Bowl 43? Um, Was actually the next one, was 43. Is probably one, to me, was even better than that one. It was not, the the one before was great because, you know, beating this, Seahawks, because it was, you know, hey, it was number five. It was finally, you know, after all those years, you got that. But in terms of a football game, my gosh, what more could, what could more there have been in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals? I got to tell you, that's my favorite too, um, because I will never forget being so nervous because I, you know, we have all those, those five wins that the Steelers had. Then this one, 38 seconds left, they're still losing. In this game, Larry Fitzgerald was incredible in that game. The uh, the Steeler, uh, of course, James Harrison. What a, an amazing fourteen point swing that was! Yeah, with, with that hundred yard touchdown, the pass to Santonio. I mean, you got to remember, Hines was uh, Hines had a great game for not being able to do much because he had a bad knee injury. He was in a hyperbaric chamber that week. Yeah, he was lucky to be able to play in that game. Uh, he wasn't exactly the decoy that people thought they were going to be. Holmes's catch in the end zone, 
Holmes missed one, let it go through his hands the play before, but that catch was amazing. And well, then they still have a chance to come back. What what I loved about that catch from from Santonio was actually, you know, this was in the early days of high def TV. I had just purchased a new TV a couple weeks before the Super Bowl. And so I'm watching this game in high def. And Santonio catches that and they're showing replay. Yeah, they're showing some replays on on the TV. And then they're going to break because, um, you know, they're reviewing that play. And I remember calling my brother and said, hey, Dave, what? It stands. He's like, what? I said, I'm watching this in high def right now. Like, you can see blades of grass move. You know, I'm like, that that was a good catch. He's No like, white. There was no, no way white. Overturning that. He was like, really? He's like, yes. He's like, awesome. And they came back and confirmed that touchdown. And, of course, I went nuts. That was actually after I'd gone nuts earlier. Now, this was fun because my kids were real small. And the apartment we had uh, where I was watching the game was right next to their bedroom. So, you know, when the Cardinals take the lead, I stand up. I'm throwing pillows down. I'm punching cushions on the couch. I'm going nuts. And then to try to keep it under control when San Antonio catches that go-ahead touchdown, oh, just, you know, trying not to wake the kids up was it was fun um that was another game i watched the second half of that game totally by myself so um which is probably a good thing because i just sometimes just you know when the steelers are there i'm just nervous and i'm a mess oh i get it now i have a role that um i don't care who's in my house for super bowl i had one super bowl the uh the broncos and the the panthers from about five years ago five six years ago where uh where we had 43 people in the house. We had so many people in the house, but it's funny. Halftime comes, then you have four people left <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's on a Sunday night. But when it's a Steelers Super Bowl, which I haven't had that many, I've had, I've had three, but I make sure that it's Steeler fans only for the, for the Super Bowl. And that's the only time that, that I do that because you don't want the, uh, bec- because it's different. It yeah. is different. It is religion at that point, and you don't want anybody making comments that um, just to try to rally up. My one buddy that comes to the games. One of the reasons we started this, he watched the uh, the Seattle game with a person that was rooting for Seattle. Didn't really care about football, but just rooting for Seattle just to rally everybody up, and it, it completely pissed him off the entirety. He, he could not stand it. Um, so that was kind of the role for that, and we watched that together. So we've had an opportunity to rejoice together as uh, at Steeler Central, what we call about call it, and we've had a chance to uh, just be down in the mouth when uh, when the Packers game rolled around, and that was another game that the Steelers had a chance to win that game, and they didn't. We're not going to get into that game. They just lost it. Maybe if Pouncey's playing in that game. Maybe. It's a completely different yeah. story, but ifs and nuts, ifs and buts, right. candies and nuts, you know. Yep. Just, but but I can't wait for them to get back to one, big bro. And I think if they get back to one, we've got to have a big BTSC contingent. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> I I think that would be amazing. Hey, thanks so much for talking about these games with me. I love. I, I wish our team was in it next week. Really do, but 
I got to tell you, talking about it and the memories, that's what Tales from 2 AM is about. And it's all the crazy stuff. And there's so many little stories and little fun stories. And I was going to tell you, you know what? Instead of wrapping it up, let me tell you this really crazy fun story. So we talk about the elation in the last two minutes of the Steelers-Cardinals game. There was a city in um, outside of Phoenix in Arizona that somebody hacked into their hacked into their system, hacked into the cable system, and they actually put an erotic movie on instead. So you're watching the final two minutes of the Super Bowl, and they missed. I because I I go I heard that and I googled it just recently just to make sure it was true before I ever brought it up again. So you're watching the game. Next thing you know, you're watching a dirty movie instead and you miss the rest of the Super Bowl and your team's actually winning and they and they come back they finally get it back and they realize they lost the game wow how <laughs> how insane would you be um yeah i think i would that would no longer be my cable company probably so. oh. <laughs> that would be absolutely nuts. Well, my son just came in with a uh, with a, a pad of paper to ask me how much how much uh, French toast he's making me French toast. So I guess we should uh, kind of get off the show here. You want to say hello? Sunday brunch. Yeah, I, I got to tell you. So he's uh, he's not going to come and say hello like your son did, but um, I've, I've invited him over. But I tell you what, we are family here at BTSC. And if you're checking us out at Tales from 2 a.m., that's a big deal. You're a part of our family. Thank you so much for everybody here. We appreciate you. So with that being said, Big Brosco, can't wait to have you back on the show. We're going to have fun Steeler memories um, all throughout the offseason. you got to be back. Oh, I'll do my best to, to come back on at some point. Um, I kind of like your 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 deal of, you know, you, you go to the show and kind of rotate in, you know, the uh, guest co-hosts, that's kind of nice, kind of neat, because uh, then I get to check out some different people as well. So it's kind of nice. You know what? That came about, and you did a great job with this on uh, uh, Mary Steeler Memories. We, I came up with that idea right before Christmas to have those shows talk about our, uh, our Christmas memories and throw in the Steelers around it. And yeah. yours brought up a lot of memories with me. Because I didn't get a chance. You talked about the Patriots game right after Christmas. You got those in 1982. You got those tickets. Yep. And that's really, uh, and I remember not being able to see that game because we were celebrating Christmas in California that year. So oh. um, so I never got a chance to see that game until a couple, right after that, when you said that, I went back and watched that game. Nice. So I finally got a chance. We listened to some of it on the radio. I was about 11. Um, but I got to tell you, that was uh, that was something for me that really sparked that we have all these fun stories as Steeler fans, and we should talk about it. So yeah. Jeff Jeff said, "Why don't you bring different um, different BTSC uh, family members in and talk about them, talk about the games, and talk about the memories?" And because you know, I could tell all the crazy two AM stories, but after a while, I'm I'm running out of them. <laughs> So well, I want to hear your stories too. Because we, we all, especially where you overlap games with other people, everybody's got their own take. Everybody was at a different place or a different time of their life and and kind of how that goes. You know, for me, that whole thing, you know, I talked about, part of what I talked about on that Christmas one was 
you know, after hearing the fact my brother saying that, you know, his first Steeler game was the day after Christmas, you know, when he went to see the Ravens, I was like, holy cow, you were old. I was like, I went the day after Christmas and saw the Patriots, but I was only eight. You know, it's like, um, I I, got to bring this up. This show is Steelers porn. It never gets old. Thank you, Bad Itch. I, I appreciate it. I love that name. Um, that that makes that makes me feel good. I guess that makes me feel good. Um, yeah, it, it's fun to talk. Like you said, it's fun to talk about that stuff um, and to see other perspectives. And so next week, we're going to have, we're going to talk more about the Super Bowl. We're going to have Cliff, Cliff Harris as a punk back on because I want to hear him talk because he does remember that game. He remembers Super Bowl ten, so we're we're going to talk about his perspective from some of these games as well. So it's going to be it's just going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all for sticking with us. Uh, we love you, BTSC family, Big Bro Sco. You're my buddy. I love your brother. Thanks. Love you too, man. You're you're a big part of the the family. And uh, one of these days, you're going to show up for Christmas dinner, and Bad's going to be there. Bad's going to be there with his his place setting ready to go at the, yeah. uh, at the Schofield family table. Uh, yeah, uh, I, that would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Notice not, Hey, that'd be great. Anytime. I'm like, yeah. No. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Um, for big brosco rich. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. You can call me bad. And no matter what time it is on your clock, it's 2 AM somewhere. We'll see you. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.